Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey there, and welcome to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave King, presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. Today on the show, I'm joined by those who can give us the inside scoop on the new Phoenix Suns acquisitions, Alfred Payton and Chandler Hutchison. We might not see a ton of those guys this year, but we said that about Etwan Moore and Abdel Nader a year ago. And we ended up seeing those two at unexpected points. Could that happen again this year with Peyton and Hutchison? We'll see. Today we talked to podcasters from their neck of the woods about what they saw and what to expect from the two of those players this year. For background on Peyton, I interviewed Sean St. Jock of PostingandToasting.com to tell us all about Alfred Peyton's last two seasons in New York. And for the skinny on Chandler Hutchison, I spoke to David Schuster, a long, long time media personality in Chicago who's done radio, TV, and now does several podcasts on our very own Basketball Podcast Network. Hope you enjoy the show. First up, we're going to cover Chandler Hutchison. Chandler was recently signed to a two way deal by the Phoenix Suns. He had previously been traded to the San Antonio Spurs as part of a deal with the Washington Wizards after having been traded away from the Bulls in the middle of this past year. So this is Hutchison's third team in two seasons. Uh, He has bounced around a little bit. He has full contract with the San Antonio Spurs, and now he's got a two-way contract with the Suns. We'll see what he can do. Let's talk to David Schuster. So we're just kind of curious what he's, what, what, what is Chandler Hutchison? Who is Chandler Hutchison? So I've got a few questions for David. Um, Thank you very much for coming on tonight. My pleasure. Um, in answer to your to your questions, and I'm sure you'll ask a couple more, what is Chandler Hutchinson? I mean, he's a player who's got some potential, but he's also a player that's been on four teams now in six months. That's not usually a very good thing for anybody in any sport. Um, who he is, that's even more of a question that just can't be answered because he's fairly private. Um, when he was here in Chicago, which was his longest stay, he was drafted by the Bulls late first round, number 22. His college career, to be honest with you, Dave, it it got better and better. Really nothing his freshman and sophomore year. Then he blossomed his junior year. And his senior year, you know, made him a first-round pick, ended the first round for the Bulls. You know, it's funny because I look at on his, now with the Suns, they say small forward, power forward. He's about as much a power forward as you or I are. And, you know, neither one of us are, and, and neither is he. He's 6'6", 210. He's not a power forward, no. but he's got potential. I, I'll leave him at that. Um, he, he, I, 
he had one stretch with the Bulls after he had a foot injury that knocked him out for a long time, and he came back, and you could see his potential. He he can slash and get to the basket if he's motivated to do so. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of other players, he came up with COVID. He disappeared for a while. And then the real enigma with him, Dave, and there's no answer, at least from, from my end, he, he, he didn't play for a long stretch even after the COVID, and they said that he missed time for personal issues of which, you know, how private teams can be. We never found out what those personal issues were. He sat uh, a lot of times in uniform or in street clothes on the bench, never got into the games, we're told never really practiced with the team either. And then when he ultimately got traded to Washington, he played the first game he got there. So something was going on. I don't know if it was a personal issue with another player, with a coach. Don't know. That's that's the real enigma about Chandler Hutchinson. But he, talent-wise, I, I think he's got some talent, and hopefully he gets an opportunity and maybe shows himself. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him to get minutes on the Suns. They didn't even play their uh, 10th overall pick last year, Jalen Smith. Um, hardly any minutes this past year. And I don't know if they'll play him again this year mm. because the Suns are on a championship you know, path right sure. now. A surprise, <clears throat> as surprising as it is, a championship path. I mean, shoot, they hadn't made the playoffs 10 straight years. Then all of a sudden, I, I felt a little bad for our own Jalen Smith and that he didn't get a chance to get on the court hardly uh, because the Suns are winning almost every game. And Chris Paul is demanding perfection out of every single play on the court. Heck, DeAndre Aiden had a hard enough time playing. Um, so, but let's, just, let's, let's, but at, at the same time, Monty Williams did play Abdel Nader last year, surprisingly more minutes than we expected. And Abdel Nader is a athletic small forward who, who plays, who's long, he's, he plays with, with speed and energy. <clears throat> and I'm wondering if they see similar in Chandler Hutchison. Um, did he look like he was, he knew what he was doing on the court uh, when he was out there? Not initially, um, but that happens to a lot of young players, rookies. I mean, I can go all the way back to Jimmy Butler, who now is, you know, a top 15 player in the NBA. But when he first came into the league, I mean, he was lost in the ozone. And I would say that Chandler Hutchinson was pretty much the same way. But like I said, after he had that foot injury, he came back and he had about a 10 to 15 game stretch. He was coming off the bench, of course. And it seemed like the light went on with him. And his forte, at least from what we could tell, was slashing and going to the basket. His outside shot is not up to snuff, to be honest with you. Um, I looked it up just to make sure. I mean, he's only shooting 30%. Not that he's had that much opportunity, but only 30% from three. And that's just not good enough in the NBA, especially from the small right. forward position. So, you know, if if he can just harness what he's good at and get better at things that he's not, you know, and, and, and the reason I think the Suns or other teams might take a chance on a guy like him in this COVID era, you just don't know game to game, week to week, who's going to be active, who's going to be all of a sudden out for a 10 to 20 days or who knows what, uh, him being one of them once upon a time. So it's probably a wise idea for a championship team to take a chance on a guy like this. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be very interesting because Monty Williams does – does pride himself on, on playing guys who are going to play right. And Chris Paul won't, won't stand for mistakes, but if he limits himself to slashing and like we've seen on some of the highlights, I mean, he can, he can move in that open floor on in transition 
and he knows how to just go go attack the basket, which the Suns don't have a lot of. Um, <clears throat> was he given the best chance? Like I know you said that he had some games and, and where he didn't even dress, wasn't really practicing, so he didn't know quite what was going on. Do you feel like? Did you feel like he got the best opportunities to succeed in Chicago, or do you think it was just tough because of all the kids and all the losing and all that? Well, I don't know. Um, good question. Obviously, he was drafted by an administration that's no longer even there. To be honest with you, John Paxson was in charge, mm. vice president of basketball operations, and now he's uh, subsequently has been replaced by Arturis Karnishevis. So, you know, a lot of guys, maybe Chandler Hutchinson being one of them you know, is enamored by one guy who drafted him. And then the next guy comes in, mm-hmm. who, you know, it's, it's like, it's like a girl. You might think she's pretty. The other guy thinks she's a, you know, not pretty. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, did he get the opportunities? No, I really don't think he got the opportunities. And then, like I said, some things happened to him, whether it was COVID or that foot injury. Um, and then, like I said, something else happened of which we weren't able to pin it down. And, and I followed, you know, when he went to Washington Again, early on, he seemed to get some shots at getting on the court. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, he was relegated once again to the bench. So, you know, again, we weren't in practice because a lot of this was during the COVID era. And certainly even when we were at practice before that, we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. I just don't know what his relationship was. And and we had a couple of different coaches while he was here also. Jim Boylan, um, who's no longer, you know, around. I don't even know where he is. And then obviously Billy Donovan came in. So, you know, that just happens to a lot of players. They just got sort of caught in the shuffle and Mm -hmm. sometimes they're shuffled out. Did it seem like uh, you talked about the coaches there? Did it seem like either Boylan or Donovan handled him differently as far as his role on the court or was he pretty much the same role both both coaches hard to say because under donovan you really didn't see him on the court at all gotcha once donovan came there um again something went on i can't pin i get yeah i I hear what you're saying i'm looking at his game log right now and he did like hardly play all year so that is strange yeah but That's, then he goes to Washington in his first game, as you say, he played his first game. Well, he played pretty well too. Yeah. I mean, he had 18 points and five rebounds in his first game for Washington. And then um I don't think he's he scored one more double digit game. And like you said, he was kind of less and less minutes uh throughout the year, and then he barely touched the court in the playoffs. So, but at least he got some playoff action. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I mean, he appeared in two of Washington's playoff games, um, probably both losses, I'm guessing. And it probably was, it came in late in those games. Yep. I, I just, you know, again, I can't really answer what happened in Washington. I'm ha- I'm hard pressed to That's answer okay. what happened here in Chicago, to be honest with you. But again, I do recall that one 10 to 15 game stretch when apparently he was healthy, he was able to show himself and, and he was, he was more aggressive during that stretch than he was at any other time. And that's why he was productive. And that happens to a lot of players too. You know what? Forget, you know, you're, you're, you're being dormant or, or passive. Mm-hmm. Do what you do best. And that for him is going to the basket. And he proved himself at least during that stretch. During his rookie and sophomore years, he got a lot more playing time. So we don't know what happened this past year, 
but I mean, he, he played in, uh, he even got 14 starts as a rookie, uh, and he played in more than half the games. Um, did you see anything there? Like, is, is he better on defense, better on offense? Did he show anything at all? Or is he just kind of one of the guys? Well, he was known to be a good defender coming out of college. I mean, that was his MO. If I even go back remembering the draft and reading the draft report on him, um, I don't really recall him being a world beater on the defensive end of the court. What I do remember, though, that when he was drafted and John Paxson, again, talked about how he greatly matured, which, again, the numbers support, you know, from the beginning mm-hmm. of his college career until, like I said, I think his senior year, he averaged over 20 points and like seven rebounds. So, he, yeah, he made and three and a half assists, too. Okay. And unfortunately, right now in the NBA, is not even averaging an assist a game. I mean, I took a look right. at his career totals. So right. that's not his forte either. But, you know, they talked about him being sort of a heady kind of player. God, I really wish I could tell you, you know, that there's enough um, data on him visually yeah, or even numbers wise to to support that. But looking back on it, I just honestly can't say that I, I, I can, you know, support all that kind of stuff. I just can't. Yeah, then that's and that's to be fair. And again, he uh you know, there's a lot of guys who wash out of the league. I, I think it's oh, shoot, I forget the number, but I think it's like 40% of draft picks if, at best uh, make it as a rotation player in the league. So he's just one of the many who who may not uh, make it there. And so we are curious in Phoenix because it's funny, James Jones has made a reputation of only bringing in guys who are really good dudes in the locker room with us and he prides productivity and and uh skills over um athleticism so i'm just a little surprised that you know but it's just a two-way contract so i'm not sure it matters much either way um but you know we'll see we'll see what happens is there i i don't want to keep you too long because there's really not much to say but is there like any besides the weird um and you know besides the weird where we don't know what was going on when he wasn't practicing or playing with the team. By the way, we in Phoenix have experienced with that too, even with some of our better players um, suddenly going into a, I don't want to play mode. Um, but does, do you feel like, was there any funny stories or anything about him that like happened that, that makes you think, Oh, this is what Chandler Chandler Hutchison is all about. Did anything like that happen? Not really. Again, the last year plus or even year and a half, whatever it is, you know, during COVID, we can't talk to these guys unless they're on Zoom. And I yeah, hate, I know. It's so I tough. hate Zoom, by the way. I'll just say it's yeah. one of the worst four-letter words ever in sports. Um, <laughs> you know, you just can't talk to them. And even when he was a young player, when we were able to go into the locker room, he didn't really stand out. I mean, he I even remember his locker was in the corner, um, and he was very quiet. I'd almost say shy. So, no, I mean, I don't really know his personality, to be perfectly blunt. Um, quiet, uh, and maybe his game, because of that, you know, sort of suffered at least early on in his career. But I keep pinpointing, and you know, I've probably said it three or four times now, he showed what he can do on the professional level if he's aggressive. And, you know, maybe he just needs that opportunity. Maybe he needs some prodding from – whether a fellow the player right like Chris Paul yeah. or a coach or somebody. And Monty Williams would be a coach that I would want to play for if I had that kind of talent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if, if he if he can be aggressive and get that opportunity and show what he can do, 
maybe he's got a chance. But like you said, 40% of players wash out on a two-way contract. Maybe that maybe that percentage is even higher. Who knows? Yeah, right, right. Um, all right, so thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Uh, I, I know <laughs> he is uh, he's not much of a memory for you, and I totally understand. I appreciate you giving me 15 minutes of your time, David. Uh, thank you. Can you tell the folks where they can find you if they want to follow up on on your uh, Bulls coverage and, and other things you're sure. doing? Um, I do a bunch of podcasts myself nowadays. On Twitter, you can follow me. Uh, my my moniker is Shoe Mouse, S-C-H-U-M-O-U-S-E, the mouse, because I used to work at Disney. Uh, ah. But the four-letter sports network once upon a time. So that's where the mouse comes from. So Shoe Mouse on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm... I'm all over. Uh, you can find me on the golf course. That's where I like to really be found. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time tonight, David. Anytime, Dave. Call me when you need okay. me. All right. Bye. Okay, folks, just a quick break here before we move on to finding everything about Alfred Payton. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I don't know if you won money or lost money this first week, but you got 200 bucks if you were a new customer. If you didn't do it yet, do it now. DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet just $1 on any game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any game. That's promo code TBPN. PN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or if you're in Indiana, it's 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, we are back. Uh, we are back with Sean St. Jock of postingandtoasting.com. He does the um, Shock Jock podcast on, on that network on, on our sister site. I'm, I'm with brightsideofthesun.com, so I know all about you guys at Posting and Toasting on the SB Nation side. And then within the podcasting ranks, uh, we're also kind of along the same vein there. Um, so let's get into this, Sean. Uh, I know you guys are just Oh, you guys are so sad. Did you guys host a funeral, <laughs> any funeral profession or procession when Alfred Payton uh, signed on with a different team? Yeah, I don't know if there were any, uh, I don't know if there's anything like that. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I think there's no secret um, that Knicks fans are, are pretty excited uh, to see him go. <laughs> um, I hate to put it like that, uh, especially with, uh, you know, being on his son's podcast here, but uh, <laughs> no, Trust I, I, me, look, we don't mind. He played 19 yeah. games for the Suns a few yeah. years ago and about three games in, we had that same feeling. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they, um, you know, listen, I think Tibbs uh, really trusted him, you know, especially with the fact that, you know, the Knicks brought in Emmanuel quickly. He wasn't really ready yet to kind of jump into that role. Um, and obviously Derek Rose, despite what we saw at the end of the season and more particularly, and then in the playoffs, um, he was trying not to, you know, overuse him, obviously, as we saw, uh, he kind of had to, as the season went on, just because of the inconsistency of, 
of Alfred Payton. And, um, you know, I, I was just checking his stats, you know, before I came on and, and he actually, you know, played the most games he's played for the Knicks since 2017, 2018. It's been four years since he's played that many games in a season. However, he played the least amount of minutes per game during yeah. those games since 2017, 2018. And it just because he, and I was a little surprised to see this, but his turnover numbers are the lowest they've been, but they were just really poorly timed turnovers mm. in games. And he was, he was as inc- inconsistent as it gets. And, and that kind of led Knicks fans to not exactly, uh, you know, be rolling over in their beds at night when, uh, when the Knicks weren't going to bring him back. So, but, but Knicks yeah. fans are, are happy about it because, and I'm happy about it to be fair, because you add Evan Fournier, you add Kemba Walker. Uh, and listen, Kemba Walker has not exactly been consistent for the Celtics, but the hope is that there'll be a big improvement over the losses of Nilakina and Peyton. But listen, I think Peyton, you know, would potentially flourish with a deeper team and the Suns potentially have that. So I, I think that the positive spin is that the Suns are deeper in the backcourt, arguably, than the Knicks are. Um, and I think that with a specific role being placed on him, he could potentially flourish on a, a team that's hoping to get back to another NBA Finals with all of the horses back in the stable. So I think that, you know, I, I, t- I try to be an optimist as far as these kind of things, especially because I'm with you. But um, yeah, to be fair, it, it, I, I just I can't tell you how many times I, I saw on social media, although, you know, it's tough to read that social media at times. But um, yeah, the Knicks fans got very frustrated that Tom Thibodeau would continue to start him in particular, <laughs> Alfred Payton, um, despite the fact that, you know, even early in the playoffs, he wasn't getting nearly as many minutes when he started. But I think at some point, Tom Thibodeau felt the need to put in Derrick Rose as the starter and just play him his normal minutes from that starter's position. And to be fair, he was the best player on the floor for us in the playoffs. I mean, there's just really no oh, question yeah, about Rose that. Was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Julius Randle really struggled. And I, I think that the Knicks needed a, a presence at the point guard position to, to not only dish it, but score it because nobody else was able to do it consistently. And specifically Alfred Payton was, was really the one that got the brunt of that from the fan base. So yeah, I think that there's definitely positives for the Suns fans to take, but I just think that, um, you know, don't be surprised if you get something similar to what you've had because he has been, he's been inconsistent. He's got a few more years under his belt, but He's definitely he's definitely been extremely inconsistent. Uh, we're not this, yeah. This time with the Knicks, we're not dying for positives. So yeah. don't worry about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> just for those who haven't looked at Alfred Payton's stats, he's yeah. really con- as far as if you look at his raw stats, he's pretty consistent. He's going to give you about ten points a game. Yeah, he's going to give you about you know half a dozen assists. He had his career low on assists this past year per game, pretty close to it, if not. Yeah, 3.2. Every other season of his career between six and a half, seven point two um assists per game. Like extremely consistent. He got fewer minutes and had fewer assists this past year in, in Tom Thibodeau's offense. But when the playoffs came around, 
the reason you didn't see, you don't remember Alfred Payton being on the Knicks, because that might be for Phoenix Suns fans. The first time you saw a Knicks game uh, was when they played in the playoffs. And Alfred Payton played a grand total of 13 minutes in two of those games. So that's why, because he just fell out of the rotation, as as, as Sean is, is pointing out to us. Um we're not that we're not excited about Alfred Payton as a player, uh, but we are thinking that he's got a little bit better chance of running a solid offense when Campaign and Chris Paul are on the bench. And last year, Monty Williams turned to Etwan Moore as the third string point guard. And Etwan Moore has never been a third string or any string point guard. I don't think in his career, maybe high school, but you know, that's, that's a long, long time ago. So would you, would you think, uh, and you probably haven't seen much of Eton Moore in the past, but would you say that Alfred Payton is probably a good break class, break glass in case of emergency twice kind of guy? That's an interesting question. I remember Eton Moore from college. He had a great career at Purdue in particular. Um, and, and I got to see a little bit of him there. Um, I know he played with the Celtics for a bit. And, you know, I, I think he, for where he was picked, did did rather well, I think. But I, I think when you look at Alfred Payton, um, I guess my I guess my answer to that is I really hope so because it's, it's not a tough role to fill. Mm-hmm. And I, I think with less pressure on him, I, I think he could do well with a team where the expectations for his play are lowered, you know, he was expected to do quite a bit, especially during the regular season Hmm. for the Knicks and starters minutes in New York matter. And if you don't do well in those minutes, you're going to feel the heat, especially with the Knicks. So I I like to think that with a championship caliber team in a lesser role that, that, yeah, I, I think he should be able to do that. But um, then again, you know, this was his first playoffs this past season and he wasn't able to, to really make an impact. So I guess you could look at it both ways, but I I'd like to think that he could. And I I know I I don't, I don't always fit, you know, I should say I'm one of the few people that probably fit into this category, but I'm kind of pulling for him. He's a former Nick. You try to pull for former Knicks in, in a certain regard, especially when they don't go to rival teams. So I, I think I'd like to see him do well. He, he always fought hard for the Knicks. I just I just don't think he always um, gave the gave enough performances in a row to to really make an impact enough to stay sure. with the Knicks long term. So I, I think yeah, he we're can. just, just going to be an interesting small, one on that small role. We're just hoping yeah. he's, he's a guy who who doesn't look. We're, we've dealt with Frank Kaminsky for the past couple of years, and yeah. he is the he is the picture of inconsistency. Uh, <laughs> what's what's hilarious is that Frank. Whenever Frank starts, everyone's like, "Oh my God, the world is gonna you know the sky's falling and all that." And so we've already got our guy like that. However, Frank is just so so personable, so friendly that yeah. it's really hard not to like him as a person and root for him. It's just when he's actually on the court. I mean, my, my favorite, not my favorite thing, but the thing I find myself doing all the time is just going, Frank, you know, stop doing that. Um, is Alfred Payton likable? I mean, obviously the fan, look, look, the fan base didn't want him starting because yeah. 
Derek Rose has a cult following that grows and yeah. grows and grows. And Emmanuel quickly was just so fun to watch as a rookie. And there was frustration. I'm sure that Thibodeau wanted to bring quickly along slow, more slowly than quickly uh, and throughout the season. And maybe he'll take those reins off this next year on, on the, on last year's rookie there. So that I can see why the fans would turn on Peyton. Uh, we've got actually last year, year ago, we had um, Elia Kobo, who was a former bot- top of the second round pick, bottom of the first, top of the second. Anyway, Monty Williams, for some reason, was playing starting Elia Kobo two years ago. Um, Elia Kobo got way too much time as the uh, backup point guard, and people were frustrated because they wanted to see rookies and stuff like that. So I get it. We uh, Do you think that uh, long, really long story for a short question? Um, do you think that does does Alfred Payton have any kind of uh, his personality where people just hope for him to succeed, or is he kind of like a grumpy, or what, what's his personality? Tell me about that. I I wouldn't say it's really either. I I, I don't know. I I think he he tended to go under the radar. I think in that regard in New York, I think pretty that. Quiet. He's pretty. He's pretty professional. I think he's just. He just kind of goes out and does his work, and you know, I, I think people liked Emmanuel quickly right away because of the way he kind of expressed himself on the mm. court and things of Endearing. that nature. Yeah. And um, I, you know, there's a couple of uh, moments where you know he makes a long three and he just kind of skips around the court and he's smiling and he's enjoying himself and. Um, you know, during big moments in games. And I, I think Nick fans right away love stuff like that. And yeah. not that, not that yeah, I wouldn't even say that's a knock against Alfred Payton. I just think that that's his personality. I think he wants to get down to business and um, I wouldn't even say that that hurt him. I, I really did just think it came down to the performances on the court. And, and like you said, the fact that Derek Rose emerged the way he did and Emmanuel quickly, uh, despite, you know, not doing as well in the playoffs. You can argue any all the Knicks besides Derek Rose didn't do as well there. So he did so well during the regular season. Quickly did so. I think that that really is what forced Knicks fans to be frustrated more with Alfred Payton is that they knew they could do better mm-hmm. on their own team, yep. and they wanted to see that and what that looked like on the court. I think the the thing is, is, you know, the Knicks split the first two games of that series with Peyton getting minutes. And and I think by the time he got to game three with Derrick Rose picking up more of the load, it was kind of too late. Atlanta kind of already got the momentum in that series and it kind of avalanched from there. And, and despite Derrick Rose playing so well the rest of the, se- the series, um, the Knicks needed Julius Randle to step up and, and right. the fact that he never did. Um, and, and you know, Atlanta really keyed in on him. You know, they put hmm. a lot of attention on him throughout the entire series and, and Randall didn't handle it as well as we had hoped. So the hope is that he'll obviously learn from that. Mature from that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and uh, I think that the additions of Fournier and Walker are helpful for Julius Randall as well. Those are guys that have been through those kind of situations in the playoffs before, specifically Kemba Walker. So that that's a big hope for next season, but just going back uh, to, to your question, I just think that um, it, it's really down the middle. I, I think it just came down to the performances more than anything else as far as that's concerned. 
Sure. One more question on Alfred, then I'll ask you a general, more of a next question overall. Um, on Alfred, the, the one thing the Suns really, really struggled at was getting to the rim and getting to the line. And Alfred Payton is actually somebody, and maybe it's because his jump shot is so bad that he uh, drives to the to the paint. What? How would you describe his attacking game and getting to the rim? Yeah, it's good. I, I think that's probably one of the strongest parts of his game. Um, he can certainly, you know, especially when he's going well, when he's when he's right. He does that very well. He can penetrate. He can get things going for teammates and can get to the basket. I just don't think he he did that enough at times. And, you know, listen, it's it's I, I, I hate to even say it, but it's the truth. Uh, it's it's the modern NBA. Uh, mm-hmm. NBA players need to shoot threes. NBA players need to get around screens and get open for looks. And it's not really Alfred Payton's game. I don't think it really ever was. Uh, I think that was one of his biggest knocks coming out of Louisiana Lafayette. Now I guess Louisiana, but the, the Raging Cajuns obviously. Mm. And um, it, 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 it's definitely improved vastly. He's definitely put the work in. I, I just don't think it was consistent enough to, to warrant being a starting point guard. And sure. I'm, the hope for the Suns obviously is that with this smaller role and doing that very well, being able to penetrate, get past a defender one-on-one, and possibly distribute or get to the basket and draw a foul or, or make a bucket, that that is something that he can bring to the table. And I think that I, I, co- I go back to this because I think it's really massive that there's so much less pressure on him to do well with Bonnie mm-hmm. Williams and Phoenix. I just, th- I just feel like I think he could do well. I, I think there's a chance that he could really fit that role and be a nice depth piece for the Suns. I, I just don't think it, with the Knicks, especially now with what they've added that first of all, that he'd get enough minutes at this point, but also that uh, that he'd be able to, you know, after what happened last season, and I'm not sure he'd be able to fit with what the Knicks are trying to do moving forward. So I, I think that this is kind of a nice situation for Alfred Payton to possibly get another chance at it and, and go on a possible even deeper playoff run with a team that I still think in, in a deeper West, seems like it gets deeper every year out there. But, yeah. Um, it's they could a crazy still, West. <laughs> yeah, they could still potentially make a deep run again. And I think Alfred Payton would flourish, I should say, relish in the chance to flourish in with that kind of a team and that kind of a system. Well, the great thing is the Suns aren't going to be relying on him, as you say. You know, he, right. does, he doesn't have the pressure. If he does uh, have some big minute games, it's going to be short term. I mean, you know, knock on wood, nothing disastrous happens. Uh, with the Suns health-wise, and, and his 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 appearances will be few and far between. And having having Chris Paul there to help him, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he we've seen him time and time again with younger players or inexperienced players when it comes to the playoffs, just elevate their game. And yeah. <laughs> just having him around Alfred Payton, I feel like would just do wonders for his confidence, his skill, and his demeanor on the court. I, I, I feel like that alone is a huge deal. The Knicks obviously have nobody like that on their roster even now. So I think right away, if, if Alfred Payton can form a good relationship with CP3, that's already a huge boost for Phoenix. But that's just that's just Chris Paul. He does that everywhere he goes. Yeah, he does. And I'm sure Phoenix is absolutely thrilled to continue to have him uh, for, for the foreseeable future, at least for the rest of his career, hopefully. For sure. So the Knicks went 41 and 31 this past year. 
they made it to the uh, in the playoffs there. They did pretty well. I mean, they lost in in five games, but it was it was a big triumph, I think, for the Knicks to get into the playoffs after having come into the year with Tom Thibodeau's job maybe on the line a little bit, and then all of a sudden the team responded in the most uh, advantageous Thibodeau way possible. They had the third ranked defense in the league that covered for the twenty third ranked offense. And it was really a Thibodeau team. How do you feel about them coming into this second year? Do you feel better? Same? What do you think? I feel great, honestly. And I, and I, as a Nick fan, I almost hesitate to say that. Um, yeah, you don't want to jinx it. <laughs> yeah, there's been so many years uh, where I have felt not this good, to be fair, but close to it in the last mm-hmm. 10 years. And um, not recently, but the, the past 10 years, you feel... You feel great at times, and then 30 games in, you're looking forward to the draft, basically. Oh, yeah. Suns fans are so, so familiar with that. We're we're yeah. actually still crossing our fingers whenever we say anything positive, too. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, it's, that, it's, that, uh, it's the hope yeah. that can kill you at times. Yes. But I, I, I feel really good about it just because um, I, last year was so unexpected. I think going into it, even with Tom Thibodeau, being an exciting hire, you know, right off the bat, you know, coming off of a a nightmare season with Fizdale and Miller, uh, who just didn't do anything to to get you excited and um, completely, you know, kind of threw the season away when there was a little bit of expectation around David Fizdale, and it just never really materialized by, by really any stretch of the imagination. Nothing stood out. Nothing was positive. Mike Miller came in. I think there was a brief positivity with him, but he was never going to be the long-term option. And Tom Thibodeau comes in and completely changed the culture. And you saw that slowly but surely develop as the season went on. And I think that what he got out of Julius Randle, what he was able to get out of Emmanuel quickly, what he's gotten out of RJ Barrett, and now the biggest question mark around the Knicks has been the depth of the backcourt. And those have been the two biggest offseason additions. They've also addressed that in the draft, getting Miles McBride out of West Virginia, getting Quentin Grimes out of Houston. Both are, are, are Thibodeau guys, but they also fit big needs on the roster. And then Fournier and Walker, I, I listen, I, I know everybody, you know, it's a classic Nick thought to want to go for the big star and, and, and it's New York and you want to address that. And I, I don't blame Knicks fans for feeling that way. It still feels like the Knicks are a piece or two away from contending for a championship mm-hmm. 100%. But this is a team that can definitely win a playoff series or two potentially this upcoming season. If it all goes the way it's supposed to go. I, I think one of the biggest moves the Knicks made was re-signing Nerland's Noel and continue to have that anchor defensively, that's so crucial. And then you bring in, you bring back a Mitchell Robinson who was hurt for a good chunk of last season. That is really going to be the future, hopefully of this team defensively with uh, coach Tibbs's system. I, I it, it's a long answer, but it's an exciting answer because I just, I, I'm so happy where the Knicks are at. I, it feels like there's a future for this team. It feels like the next five years could be competitive basketball again for the Knicks. And that's really that that's why last season was so exciting. You know, obviously losing the way we did to the Hawks 
was was frustrating. You know, it's not fun seeing Trey Young take a bow at MSG. Oh man, and and uh, take the Reggie Miller roll on. But he's a new villain. You know, he totally. Is. Uh, he God. went to a WWE on the road. event yeah, recently and uh, continued to rub our noses <laughs> in it. But fair play, you know, he totally Dude needs outplayed. a haircut, man. First thing, first and foremost. Good lord. But well, uh, he's you know he's balding a little <laughs> bit, so I you know. But he's a great player, you know. There's no doubt about that. He outplayed us and do it like deserves. the rest of us. When you get when you're yeah. throwing ball, just shave it. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's so young, man. you know. I'm sure he, maybe he's in a little bit of denial, but I, I, I listen. He's so good, and I and I think that the offseason yeah. additions we made are hopefully going to you know put us past them. I think that's the hope. And if we meet them again, you know, to be fair, we dominated them in the regular season, but the playoffs are a different animal. And and they made the right adjustments. And I think Nate McMillan deserves a lot of credit for what he was able to do to Julius Randle in the postseason. So they're a good team. And, and, I, and I like to think that we we are now right there with them uh, with the additions we've made. And um, for the first time in eight or nine years since Mike Woodson was in charge, the Knicks are competitive and the Knicks could make some noise in the postseason and to be honest with you, Dave, it's a beautiful thing. I smile anytime I talk about the Knicks, and I can't Isn't tell you nice? the last time. The I can't tell you the last time I felt that way about the Knicks. It's it's yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And for for because the Knicks mean you know, listen, it's a Yankee town. I'm a Yankee fan, probably first, but in New York, it's just a different in, in the tri-state area in general. It's a different vibe when the Knicks are good. It's just a totally different thing and honestly you know people were throwing around the the question even you know is is the Knicks winning a playoff series bigger than the Nets winning a championship the answer is yes it is it's a bigger deal the Nets are not really that relevant in New York I, and the Knicks even with three of the top 10 players even in the even with Durant even with Kyrie even with James Harden even with Blake Griffin throwing dunks down again it's the Knicks. The Knicks dominate the town. And even during the playoffs last season, people are, you know, posting pictures on social media in New York and it's all Knicks fans. Knicks fans are everywhere. And I, it's just great to see that pride back in the team. It's a classic Nick team, right? As well, the way Tibbs plays the game, yeah. it, it harkens back to those nineties Knicks and Pat Riley and, and Van Gundy. And, and it's, it's beautiful to watch. It, it, it's, you know, just that, one playoff win, you know, obviously the Knicks fans overreacted a little bit going outside the garden and almost throwing a parade. I will admit that was overkill, <laughs> but it, it just shows you how much we've been waiting for this again. And yeah. the garden was amazing. I, I, on my podcast, I just, cause I couldn't go obviously, but I just wanted to, I just kept thanking the fans because that went because it just felt like the garden again to a certain extent. Obviously COVID had something to do with that, but just how loud it was. I remember the Obi top and dunk mm. in the second game and just watching that on TV, you know, I, I, and I've been to the garden for big games, whether it's been for the Knicks or um, for college games or, or something like that. And it's just, it, there's no arena like it. There's no venue like it. And when it's loud, I, I mean, you, the place can, it shakes. You can feel it in your chest, you know, how loud it gets. And, and there's, there's moments over the years where 
you know, you feel like the roof's going to blow off the place. I bet that's what it felt like when Toppin had that alley-oop dunk. And um, we've missed that for the Knicks. We've missed that for so, so long. And I feel like the last moment we had was that Shumpert put-back dunk against the Pacers way back in, like, was it 2013 or 2014? And um, we haven't had anything like that in a long time. And obviously the way we went out was disappointing with the way we got to the four seed. But I, I – I think expectations are a little bit higher. You know, they're managed expectations, but they're expectations of a, you know, positive, competitive, hard-fought New York tri-state area kind of team again. And I, I think that's all Knicks fans are hoping for. And obviously the goal is to go a step further and win a playoff series and maybe surprise some people and, and make a little bit of a run. But um, it's just fun to say the Knicks are good again, consistently yeah. good again. And the only thing I could say is it's just, it's a beautiful thing to smile <laughs> when you're talking about the Knicks again. We've missed that in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. I recently saw um, a cr- uh, when I was gaming or scrolling channels, how to lose a guy in 10 days. And of course there's the, one of the themes is going to Knicks playoff game together. <laughs> those two, Matthew McConaughey. And I'm like, when was the last time that happened? And then I immediately thought, Hey, now this new movie might get a resurgence, a resurgence <laughs> among Knicks fans because now they can say yeah. they've been in the playoffs recently. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Amari Stoudemire got that knee knee surgery and all. Oh yeah, and then it was it was the Knicks were also in the uh, Amy Schumer movie as well. So now those <laughs> movies can have a resurgence. Exactly. Um, hey, thank you so much for joining us, Sean. I appreciate it. I think the uh, Suns fans are rooting for the Knicks to do well. It would be so fun to get all the way to the finals, both sides, because you guys had the same kind of resurgence that the Suns did. Yeah. Uh, the Suns, you know, first time in 10 years, the Suns have been in the playoffs. First time in so many years, you guys have been in the playoffs. And going into this next season, both fan bases are feeling like, hey, you know what? I don't care how pessimistic I want to be. This team is really good. Yeah. Both fan bases. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for both sets of both sets of fans. Thank you so much. Tell us where we can find you, Sean. Yeah, just to just to re- uh, reiterate, though, we feel the same way. I think a lot of Knicks fans were rooting for the Suns in the playoffs because of that, and, and also the Chris Paul storyline. You know, so many, yeah. so many people uh, in New York and New Jersey, Connecticut, just respect the heck out of Chris Paul. And um, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at s saint j seven. Saint is spelled out. Um, Postingandtoasting.com, Shock Shock Knicks podcast. We do uh, shows once a week. They come out Fridays at 9 a.m. on all your podcasting platforms and on postingandtoasting.com. Just click the Shock Shock Knicks podcast logo on the homepage. You can find the latest episode there. And, and Dave, just, again, really appreciate the time. We wish Suns fans the best, and uh, we're looking forward to the season just as much as you guys. And it's it's a beautiful thing that the Knicks are good, and I'll say it because I'm on here. It's a beautiful thing that the Suns are good again as well it's great to see two really good fan bases really good franchises on the whole uh although james dolan aside are are just happy again and are looking forward to nba basketball for another season and uh, especially with covid it's a beautiful thing as well And, and again i really appreciate you having me on all right thank you so much you have a good day and uh suns fans you can find me on dave king nba on twitter you can find all my work on brightsideofthesun.com 
And like Sean, our solar panel podcast is also linked onto there as well. If you guys are listening right now, you're already on the feed, but if you want to share it with a friend, just make sure you tell them, uh, look up sun solar panel on the, uh, any of the podcast platforms. All right. Thanks a lot, Sean. I appreciate your time and you all listeners have a great day. <laughs>